Yeah. Yeah, old school. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, this ain't for everybody. Some of y'all need to hear this. Huh. I know you're in the trenches fighting, but check it out. I'm going to put it down like this so I can help the saints understand. Everything you're going through is all part of the master plan. Or what? You thought because you got saved, everything was going to be peaches and cream? You better wake up, son. Don't nothing come to a sleeper but a drink. Faith without works is dead. Read your Bible. You know what it says. He who don't work, don't eat. Blackers don't get fed. Huh, yeah. Jesus said, he who puts his hands to the pile looks back the same ain't fit. Some of y'all ain't been in the kitchen five minutes and you're about ready to quit. I ain't mad at you. I'm just hitting you with the real. <laughs> if you doubt for me and I was still tripping, now how you think that make you feel? Check this out. Deep game. This here's deep, huh? Some of y'all ain't sawing nothing but you're stuck at trying to reach, huh? But after him who's able to possess your father's by his glory. Struggles might be part of your testimony, but it ain't the end of the story. Now, upon this, this was prophesied way back in the day. Choir, sing your hook right here and see if the church can relate. She's also the author of four inspirational books, 
the newest book, Creating a Masterpiece from a Master Mess. Uh, I love the name of that. Um, she's also uh, an ordained minister in the metaphysical field, so we're definitely going to chop that one up a little bit. So, Stephanie, you are a busy, busy, busy woman. Yes, I am. I uh, am busy over here living my dreams, and I always like to encourage people to do the same thing. I failed to mention uh, Stephanie is also, you know, a host of a very own um, TV show called uh, Sip of Inspiration on the Now Network, so you guys be sure to, uh, you know, go check her out. I thank you for that. Um, and on there, they'll find uh, more of the same things. I try to make sure people know that it is imp- it is possible to live your dreams. As a matter of fact, the word impossible to me means that I am possible. Hmm. That's powerful, powerful. And uh, we're talking about moving forward in life, no matter the obstacles and there's a lot of obstacles out there, Stephanie, so we're definitely going to sit back and let you roll with that one. The, uh, there, are, there are obstacles, uh, and people should actually expect there to be. As a matter of fact, I think research shows that uh, all of us will have obstacles. 100% of us will have obstacles. And it's not the obstacles that we need to be uh, as concerned about. It is how we handle those obstacles, how we face them, and the tools that we have in order to overcome the obstacles. Hmm. You know, it's a, it, you know, it's amazing too because a lot of people, when they do have an obstacle, no matter what it is, seem like for some reason they spend more time uh, thinking about the fact that they're stuck. And less time trying to figure out how to resolve the situation, get over it, under it, or around it. You are you're right about that. Um, I find people don't expect to encounter any adversity at all. And I don't know if it's because in this day and age, in this particular time, we have access to so much information, so we always believe that we're prepared for whatever, but we have to remember that the things that we want to accomplish in our lives are things that we have never accomplished or never done before. And chances are we don't know anyone else who's done those too. So we should expect to learn new things. And sometimes those new things will show up as obstacles because if they didn't, they wouldn't get our attention. True. Hmm. True, those obstacles make you seek knowledge of some sort, it would appear. Yeah, and I think that's their purpose, uh, is to force us out of the comfort zones that we actually are in. So we, so the message sometimes, I think, to the universal God presence is that we want to move forward, but we want things to stay the same. And you can't have it the same way. They won't be the same. So we have to be willing to let go and experience those obstacles in order to achieve all the things that we are to achieve in this life's experience. 
can't have it both ways, huh? No, you can't have it both ways. Um, you cannot have it both ways. Uh, and people like to have it that way. They don't want anything to change, but they want to accomplish great things. But if you look back over your life over some of the simple things we've, we've had to learn to do, you know, we first crawled and then we had to walk. Well, when we walked, we had to give up crawling and now nobody wants to go back and crawl. Everybody wants to walk. And most people then move from walking to running. So it is a process that if we embrace the process, the process is a lot easier. Uh, sometimes we just don't understand uh, that we need to use certain tools in order to make the process easier. Now, does it mean it's going to always be easy? No, nothing is always easy. However, if you do the work, you will achieve what it is you need to achieve. Wow, that's great information. Uh, for those that just uh, joined us, uh, we're talking to Ms. Stephanie Wilson-Coleman, and we're talking about moving forward in life no matter the obstacles. So if you'd like to join the conversation, just press number one on your phone, and we'll be glad to let you chime in. Yes, Stephanie, questions make it so nice. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, we got we got questions here for you, Stephanie. Um, let me see. Let me see. What is the quickest way to get through a painful experience uh, outside of uh, driving off a bridge or something? Well, driving off a bridge. <laughs> I was being funny. You <laughs> I know. I know. But there, there are some people that are thinking, yeah, driving off the bridge, right? Well, it's actually not an obstacle. It doesn't solve the problem. And depending upon what your spiritual belief is, some people believe that you're just going to come back into this lifetime and have to deal with it anyway. So since we don't know what's on the other side, I recommend we stay here and deal with it here. One of the things that I, I encourage people to do is to look at the lessons that you learn. Everything comes into your life to teach you something, something you need to know, something valuable. And it comes at the level or the intensity in which you need to learn it. Uh, so everyone's experience in learning things is going to be different, but then everyone's attention is not as focused as the others. Once you have looked at the lessons you need to learn, I want to encourage you to forgive yourself for not knowing what you did not know. So a lot of times we like to live life in what I call looking through the rearview mirror. We want to say, I should, have, I should have done this. I wish I'd have done this. I should have said this. But that's because you're, you have new information. You have to remember at the time, whatever that experience was happened, you, did the, you made the best decision you could have made with the information you had. So forgive yourself for not knowing more. Then I want you to stay in the moment because now that painful experience happened in the past. So let's don't drag it with us. If you want to travel far, you've got to travel light. So you have got to find ways to let that go so you can stay in the moment. And if it does come to you repeatedly, ask yourself, is it happening now? And the answer is no. And then what in this moment do I need to place my focus because if you don't place your focus on where it's needed, you're going to have many more of those experiences so that you can learn that you've got to be present in the moment. Uh, the, another thing that I encourage people to 
avoid is playing the blame game or the victim game. At this point, it doesn't matter whose fault it was. And at this point, as I say to people, 80% of the people don't care, 20% of the people glad it's you, so the victim game doesn't work. So stop playing that game. Just allow yourself to feel those emotions. Release them when they come up. And if you have to journal to do that, a lot of times it helps people to journal. Some people need to kick a plastic garbage can, hit a pillow, and some people need to just get still and meditate. But find out what works for you and do that. That's another powerful jewel. Just find out what works for you because everything doesn't work for everybody. Exactly. Well, Stephanie, how do you start to love, heal, and care for yourself more? It seemed like that would be something that um, people would already know how to do without having to be taught or think about it a lot. People don't, I say people don't love themselves enough, and it's evident because you can tell in things that are going on in their life. And the wonderful thing about that is that Everyone already knows by how you talk, you speak, uh, your actions, whether or not you love yourself. So don't be surprised by that. So I want you to start to be kinder to yourself. People have even the smallest problems accepting compliments. You tell someone they look good or that's, I love that dress on you or, man, that's a great tie. You're not, your instinct is to turn around and say, oh, this old thing. No, just love yourself enough to accept the compliment. Don't invalidate the good things that people know, know, know about you or the good things people notice about you. And where does, that, your, come, where does that come from? Where does that come from? Society teaches us to be – society teaches us to, to just – be a part of the group, just to fade in, to become invisible. Don't stand out. You know, we don't want to hear you, and we want you in the group. And if we had our way, everybody would look the same and dress the same. And so we get to the point to where if we accept compliments or we don't love ourselves, it appears to people, and it can be mistaken for being a form of arrogance. But loving yourself means things like, eating right, exercising, getting enough rest, making sure that you set aside time. In my case, I set aside time for meditation. I set aside time for a gratitude journal. I set aside time to deal with anything that any harm I've caused anybody during that day or any harm anyone has caused caused me. So that's loving myself. I accept me just the way I am. I'm not trying to be a picture of some model. I'm not trying to look like what society has decided is acceptable. I'm loving me for who I am because we were all created in the image and likeness of God. So people that are on, a, um, I guess, some of these people that basically workaholics that's constantly doing one thing to another, do they need to reprioritize things that they do to give them time? They do, uh, and there's been a lot of studies recently also um, that would have proven that the workaholic theory doesn't work. People who spend a lot of time, we've been taught in this society, especially in the capitalist society, that we have to work all the time, all the time. It's all about money. It's all about money. And true enough, I do teach that 
money, you know, life is a game and money is generally how we keep score. But it doesn't mean that it takes all of your time. And what scientists are finding now is people who start their day with a gratitude list, start their day doing forgiveness, start their day with some meditation, actually are more productive than people who don't, and they actually work less. The brain can take about 15 minutes of sustained focus, and then it needs a rest. So if you're in a project three and four and five hours, you're spinning your wheels because the brain stopped a couple hours ago. It needs a rest. So people have to relearn how the brain works. And their body's been telling them that all along. They just ignored it. Because if you sit too long, your back hurts or your butt hurts. In my case, my feet hurt. So listen to your body. (laughs) Yeah, it tells you, I need a break. Yeah, that's true. Because your body will definitely let you know what's not right. You just have to listen. And we always got excuses for why this is and why that's not. But in reality, we really know the reason. Yes, we do. We just don't want to accept the reason because we think if we keep pushing harder, we'll get closer to our goals when we have ignored the major ways of reaching your goal. Sustain, sustain focus for short periods of time. Take a break. Get back to it. Take a break. And then we, don't, we need to learn also, we do that gratitude list because it helps us to visualize where we want to be, and when we can get a concrete image in our minds, and then if we can change our conversations to match what it is we want to achieve, it will come faster. Hmm. So I'm looking at uh, some of these questions we have and things. I'm trying to forget, trying to picture the things that go on in a daily person's life that what they would really need to forgive themselves for in order to realize their dreams. I don't know if that for believing my that, voice. yeah, right. For believing that they that they don't deserve to achieve their or experience their dreams. A lot of people don't believe they deserve to be successful. A lot of people don't believe that they deserve to have enough money set aside so that they can hit, so they can do the things in this life that they want to do. And you can see that in how they actually sp- how they actually use the money that they have, or how, or the things that they say. Man, if I had enough money, I would do this. Or when I get this, I'm going to do this. It's, so they haven't given themselves permission because the conversations they need to really have is, I really want to accomplish this. So this is where I'm going to focus my attention. What do I need to do to get there? And we do it in simple ways too. Um, Health, uh, that's, a, that's a, one of the easiest places to look to see just how much you love yourself and what you need to forgive yourself for. So if the doctor is telling you that your glucose level is really high and you need to stop eating all that sugar, but you can't tear away from your chocolate cake, there's a loving yourself issue, and then there's something in that sweet that you have to have that is substituting for something else or hiding some other pain that you need to forgive yourself for. The body is an amazing vehicle. It was created by a creator who gave it the ability to give us information if we just listen to it. 
Is there a situation where somebody can work really hard to become successful, and then uh, when he reaches a certain point in that success, then he becomes guilty as a result of it? Yes. Some people believe that they that is just not right for them to have so much more than other people, and that's a bigger uh, process. That's a bigger problem than than people realize. And then sometimes they're the imposter. There's that imposter syndrome in that people are very, very successful, but then they think, oh, my God, I'm a fake. I'm faking it. This isn't real. This isn't real. I really don't know that much. And what we have to look at is in, in our lives, we make a series of decisions. And some people know early on what it is they want to do. And I wish I was one of those people, but some people know. I know everybody knows the per- person who knew they wanted to do this, and by God, they set out to do it, and they did it. And then at the end of the life, they've achieved everything that they had, but they feel guilty. They feel very guilty about that because at some point, we think we can take something from someone else. We cannot take another person's good. We can only get what's meant for us. Now, other people will, can willingly give up their good for you and that's another issue too because that comes down to them believing that they don't deserve that so they'll just push it over there and give it to you or let you take it but you can't take another person's good if you're doing the work for it you're going to achieve that that you need to achieve now they, they, and sometimes those people can be dealing with an issue that maybe now it's time, they're at a point in their journey where it's time to get back, give back, and they haven't started to give back. So now they might need to start to figure out, how do I give back? How do I teach others to do what it is I've accomplished? How do I help people get on their journey and be successful? And that's generally one of those crossroads because that's something that's hard for people to decide exactly how to do it. Sometimes you just have to do it however you do it. And that time and that time comes at different times with each individual? Yes, it does. It comes at different times for each individual. Boy, this next one, Stephanie, I, I know this this next one is a good one, good one, because I know a whole lot of people still have not got there yet. How do one find their purpose? Oh, that is a great question, and I'm asked that all the time. So, There's some confused people out there. They still don't know, so I'm like, help them, help them, help them, help them. That's all I like to say is help them. Okay. So people think that they just wake up and I guess something says, hey, you're anointed and this is your purpose in life. Now, that happens for some people. But it doesn't happen for everybody else like that. So and the purposes, our purposes are so subtle sometimes that we don't recognize them. And because they're so subtle to us, we don't even think it's true. So I ask people, well, what, what keeps you up at night? What problem is it is running through your life that you, thinks, that you think needs a solution? You talk about it all the time. Well, that's your purpose is to help, help alleviate that problem, help resolve those issues. So if you find yourself always talking about um, children not being safe and children not being this, or that's your purpose because you talk about it all the time. The other thing is what problems do you, your friends call you and ask you uh, for advice about? 
that's another key to what your purpose is. They're calling you because you get it right every time. It's just that it comes easy to you when you do it, so you don't think that that's the purpose because I think we think that we have to give up a leg or something in order to to, to know what our purpose is, but it's that right. simple. right? And then if you don't know what it is and you just can't figure it out, pick something and get moving. I promise you if that's not your purpose, the universe will touch you on the back and tell you where you're supposed to be. <laughs> It will. It will say, no, 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 I need you over here. But don't just sit there and waste this precious time because you haven't seen whatever that thing in your mind looks like. Because a lot of us want a big production when it comes to our purpose, and it's not a big production like that. You already know. Ask yourself what the purpose is. Now, if you want some online tools, there are a few out there. Um, I like the Passion Test. There's a few, there's a, as a matter of fact, there's a free website where you can go on and take the test, and it will help you narrow down what your purpose is. And other than that, if you don't want to do that, and a lot of people say, well, there are many things I want to do, and they're all good for society. I said, okay, write them on different sheets of paper, stick them in a the bag, shake it up, pick one out. That's the one you get started on. But the dwelling on what your purpose is and not taking action is actually a delay tactic. It actually keeps you from doing what it is you're supposed to do and stuck where you are. Now, why would people do that? Because living your purpose is work. It's work, and they don't want to put in the, the energy or the time Right. It's easy for them to. It's easier for them to find excuses as to why not. Is that yes. correct? It's easy to find excuses not to do something than it is to get started to do something. It's like uh, so. People will say, for instance, "Oh my God, well, you've accomplished this, and you were homeless. Yes, I was homeless. Yes, I accomplished that. None of that was easy. I just knew what I needed to do, so I did it." And then you meet other people who just don't want to take the first two steps as to what it is that they want to accomplish. But you have to take the steps. And sometimes you have to just take the steps in blind faith, not knowing how they're going to end up. Start it. You're always going to be stuck in that corner, in that place, wondering what your purpose is, and everyone else you know would have, been, would have moved on. So in that situation, the best place, the best thing to do is to get started, period. Just get started. Pick something. Pick something and get started. Well, all right. You guys heard uh, Mr. Coleman <laughs> said pick something and get started. Press number one on your phone if you want to chime in. I know you got to have some kind of question or something uh, to change your life for the better. And for those that just listening at home, the call-in number is 646-929-2870. Stephanie's switchboard is lit up, so I know that they're listening and they're probably taking notes. Well, this is, this is a hard subject, so I usually tell people that they can call in and ask about their cousin and their coworkers. They don't have to ask about themselves. Yeah. Well, I'm asking myself, how do I control, how do I manage my anger? Because I be wanting to tab some stuff sometimes. 
I'm not shy. So you know, one of the reasons I had to uh, I I had to uh, look at anger is because I was angry all the time myself. So I understand. I understand anger. I learned that things that are not true or don't have any any thread of truth to it doesn't get our attention. So when something is said or somebody does something and it triggers a response of anger to you, you need to ask yourself honestly, is it true? If it's not true, then you need to acknowledge it's not true and then allow yourself to dismiss the anger because you are acting out of for something that's not true. But if any part of that is true, you need to look at what part of that is true. And then there's an exercise that I ask people to do is I ask them to then change places with the person and do a little role play in your mind. And then ask a series of of questions, you know, why do you believe that? When did that happen? Those kinds of things. How long did it? Ha- how long ago did that happen? Because sometimes you're not angry for what happened right then. You're angry for something that about something that actually happened a while back, and your subconscious will give you the information that you need. Uh, the other thing that I do is I write a letter. I write a letter about the situation, and then I either burn it. I like fire, so I generally burn most things. Uh, or bury it or tear it up and release that anger. The other thing is I to ask people, if that doesn't help, I ask people to go ahead and visualize the person on a stage and say all of the stuff that you want to say about that and just keep going till there's no more to say. Then surround them in some healing light. Because nothing ever ends unless it ends in peace. And thank them for the information. And then decide how much of that is true and how much of that you, if there's anything you need to change or not. If there's something you need to change, thank them for that. And then get busy trying to make that change. And then just forgive them for that and release it. And that exercise will help you when it, if it comes up again because things are never, hardly ever one and done. So it'll come up again, and then you'll have to remind yourself that you've already released and forgiven that. So I have a little statement that I use. As a matter of fact, I used it with uh, uh, my uh, first husband, I said. Okay, God, I forgive him if he doesn't get hit by a truck. And then <laughs> I kept saying that. <laughs> this is what I did. I, I did. I said, oh, okay, I forgive him if the tree don't fall on him. Okay, and then I finally got to the point where it was just, oh, I forgive him. Uh, well, I see that. And hadn't had a thought about it since. <laughs> I see that could be an exercise too, because I had while you were talking, I was thinking about something else was off to the left. Because um, you can forgive somebody for what they may have said or done when you know it's not true. But then what happens when you get pissed off because then you start feeling like they insulted your intelligence and think you're stupid? Is that part of the same thing? Well, they think you're stupid. You don't think you're stupid. It's part of the same thing. Because people do say, well, you know, they think I'm stupid. They think I'm crazy. Or they're, they're, 
they insulted my integrity or honesty, and but did they really? They can't do that to you. It is actually they think you're stupid. That doesn't mean you think you're stupid. That doesn't mean right. everybody else that knows you think you're stupid. They just do. So the the big signal to that is you just need to not put them in your life anymore. No more business dealings, no more no more conversations. They're just gone because you know that. And if you really look at the situations, you had an idea anyway that they felt that way. But there was something in it that either you needed from the situation or you thought you were going to convince them otherwise. Trying to save the world. Trying to save the world and trying to convince everybody that you're the good guy or I'm the I'm the good woman. No need for that. You know, and the people who matter know, and that's all that matters. Well, here's another one for everybody. Here's another one, Stephanie, and this was a heavy one too. How do one rid their life of financial problems and what principles or techniques are involved? Yes, I love to talk about money because money, how we use our money tells on us like you would not believe. So the first thing when it comes to money I tell people is you have got to change your mindset. You have got to change your conversation. So people, you cannot outlive the levels of your conversation. So if your conversation is always about being sick, somebody being sick, you being sick, you're going to always be sick. So if the conversation is always about not having enough money, being broke, all of that, uh, you're always going to not have enough money and being broke because that's all you know how to draw toward you. Uh, So you have to change how you think about it. Uh, And the whole mindset thing is more important than you know and you can tell how you talk about it. So first off, change how you talk about it. Stop talking about not having enough money, not having enough time, not having enough sleep, not having enough education, not having enough friends. Stop talking about not having enough of anything because you're creating neural pathways in your brain that will cause you to focus on whatever it is you don't have enough of in your life. Start talking about what you do have enough of. So people have enough money for what they want, so talk about that. And the other thing people do when it comes to money is we we, we seem to talk about money in a dream state, like it's going to materialize from the, the sky. Oh, if I only could win the lottery. Oh, if I only could do this. So what I ask people to do is get serious with your money. Nobody wants to get serious with their money. So sit down, look through your bank account for the last 6 to 12 months, see what you spent, how you spend your money, categorize it, and then let me know how much money you spend on your basic needs, how much did you spend on major purchases, how much went to fun and entertainment, how much went to personal growth, how much went to charity. And there's a formula in having money that people tend to overlook is in that people want to have 
all of the things that they want. They want to have all of the fun they want. But if you're not feeding your personal growth or your spiritual growth or your health, you're not going to have any money because <laughs> all of that comes from that because you're spending it all on fun and leisure. But you, But we just don't know for the most part because we don't look at our money. We just let it go out the door as it comes in. We don't sit down and figure out. We don't even balance our checkbooks regularly. So you've got to become friends with your money. And you have to really have nice conversations with money, too. I'm sorry. That's a good point. I like that. you got to have a good conversation with your money. But does money always talk back like you want to hear it? Uh, yeah, but you're in control. So it's not it's not money's problem that you don't have any money. It's it's the person handling the money's problem. So I tell people to to get a I call it a a financial mission. Set up a financial mission because you know if you don't have a mission for your money, then your money is going to do and run off with the first shiny thing it finds, which may be too much entertainment or clothes or too much food or fun, but have a mission for it. So do you plan to retire? What's your plan for your life? Because it's going to take money. So what about retirement? What about tithing or charitable contributions? What about debt? What about major purchases? What about your personal growth? What do you plan to do with your life? Because if you keep living, you're going to retire. And in this day and age, not only are we living longer, but we're healthier and looking good. So you're not going to want to stay home. So get a like all that, your money. Seems like ahead. all that ties. Seems like that all ties back to one's finding a purpose as well. Because seems like if you know what your purpose are, then you could factor in that part as well. Exactly. But finding your purpose seems to be scary work to people because I think that they're waiting for. I you know I have a joke with my friends about they. We always joke is I'm yeah I'm waiting for the money fairy to come. Everybody's waiting for the money fairy, and they're waiting for the purpose fairy. But they've already been here. It's just that we didn't believe what we were told. We didn't believe what we've seen. So now you have money, and we don't want to sit with it and have conversations with it. You've got to take care of your basic needs, and you've got to take care of your growth. But if you spend all of your money on fun, then you don't have any money to, uh, to use toward your personal growth. So now you've got an excuse for not living your purpose. Huh. <laughs> okay. <I like laughs> and that. if you're not and if you're not careful, if you're really avoiding your purpose, you run all your friends off so you don't have any friends to talk to or any good friends to talk to or hang out with. Not the ones with the ideas anyway. You're probably left with friends that just want to party all the time who have the same conversations about money because we are the sum total of the five people we hang out with the most. Wow. Seem like those people still talking about the same thing they did back in the day. Yeah, they're talking about what back in the day. They probably still wearing the clothes they wore back in the day too. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm laughing because the image just flashed in my face. I know some of those people, you know. 
during the winter time, you know, you go by a store, you see about three or four guys standing outside with their leather coats on and their snakeskin shoes, and they talking about what they used to do back in the day. But the snake that left the shoes might be a couple of those scales left on there. But <laughs> you're like, man, what have you been doing with your life? Avoiding their purpose and avoiding the work that comes with it because we've gotten ourselves especially in this society, we spend a lot of time on social media, uh, a lot of time through all of the press telling us that life should be one big party and, and that's what we see. And we forget that behind all of that, there has, to be, there has to be some time for work, some time for you to do the thing that you, you came here on this earth to do. We weren't created just to be here to party. We were created to make the difference in people's lives. Uh, that's so true. That's so true. That's why it's so rewarding when you do help somebody else. You feel good about it, and that's it. You just feel good about it when you do something for somebody else. Let's talk a little bit about um, uh, meditation, uh, Stephanie. I know a lot of people heard about it, but don't really know about it, and don't really don't know what it uh, consists of or involved with. Uh, nothing about it. They just heard the word meditation. Right, and most people think that all, that meditation is sitting down in a lotus position and saying, um, and that is a form of meditation, but it is not the only form of meditation. So, um, so I I love meditation and. It has a lot of benefits. It reduces stress, pain, it lowers blood pressure, and I'm one that can tell you that through the use of meditation and forgiveness practices, I lowered my blood pressure naturally from 186 over 119 down to 122 over 70, okay? Wow. Uh, it improves your creativity, your focus, your mental chatter, and your memory, and that's just a few of them. But meditation can take a lot of forms. There's a form where you sit still and you can look at a candle flicker. You can walk. Uh, there's walking meditations if you take long walks. It's just a matter of getting yourself to a point to where you, and, and so people say, well, you have no thoughts. But that comes eventually. So thoughts come through your mind and you just sort of dismiss them. But you want to get still so you can even become aware of what you're thinking. You have no idea what you think. Most people don't know. So it's literally sitting still in a comfortable position. You decide what's comfortable for you. Um, uh, most people recommend feet flat on the floor, but there's no real, you do what works for you. Uh, you can lay down and do it. You can sit in a chair and do it. Uh, when I'm doing it in the house, I generally sit on a chair, feet in a chair, feet flat on the floor. Sometimes I play music, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I have a mantra, sometimes I don't. Uh, but if I have a mantra, it's one or two words. And generally, if there's something that I need right then, let's say peace, because I'm feeling a little scattered, then I'll we'll, we'll sit and repeat the words peace. But you breathe in and out um, as slowly as you can and release the breath same cadence so if you're breathing in four counts and then you hold it for two counts and breathe and exhale for four more counts then you will find the stress and tension are leaving your body you can even give your body commands but what it does is it does get the chatter will start to come up and it will go away when it comes up you just say thank you 
and it goes away. And then you will get down to the real thoughts that you need or the real ideas or the real messages that are trying to get through to you that can't get through to you because your mind is so, has been so cluttered. I recommend it when you first get up, before you go to bed, and if it's a stressful day, just sit someplace still, and you don't have to take 30 minutes. Uh, you can do it in two or three, four minutes. Uh, something's better than nothing, but it does help lower your blood pressure. America, listen, because America's got a whole bunch of people with high blood pressure. You did ask one of my questions because I was just going to ask you how much time did it uh, require, but you said you could do it in a matter of a few minutes. Um, how long does it take to learn how to block out, uh, I guess, think you called it chatter? I guess those are just yes. thoughts that's coming into your brain from every direction. They come in from every direction. So sometimes um, at the beginning you'll get many more. What you learn to do is, you don't give them any attention. You just say thank you or you say, oh, there's a thought. You acknowledge them. There's a thought floating by. So people are expecting to not ever have any thoughts, but the mind's job is to give you some thoughts. So don't get upset if you get to a point where you never, ever, ever have a mind that's a blank state. There will be some thoughts coming there. Um, generally, it takes years and years and years to get to the point to where you don't have any any thoughts. And when you do have the thoughts, just tell them thank you. That doesn't mean the meditation didn't work. It just means you had a thought that came to it. That's an interesting concept there. Stephanie, how do your thoughts, let me see, how to help your thoughts to improve your health and your life? So thoughts are really powerful. So thoughts are powerful. Your imagination's powerful. Um, and everything that we see created started with a thought. So remember, they're powerful. Now, one of the things that we, when it comes to health, is I actually, in meditation, if there's a health problem that I need to deal with. So I had a basal skull fracture a um, long time ago and was told I was going to die. It's only about 4% of the people who have a med bad live. So I'm lucky to have to be a part of that 4%. So I started uh, in my thought process, the doctors would say, oh, it doesn't look like you're going to make it. And I would literally say, well, my thoughts are powerful. So if you're going to get paid, you need to walk in that door telling me that I'm doing well. And I would just see myself doing well, talk about myself doing well, have thoughts when thoughts came up that said you're not going to do well, I would say, oh, no, I'm dismissing you. And I would just think the thoughts of health. I would think everything that I needed to do to think for health. Uh, I was out of the hospital after after six weeks. They told me I wouldn't – first they told me I wasn't going to walk talk, and that stopped. That didn't, wasn't true. Then they said, well, you're going to have epilepsy. So that wasn't true. I just started thinking of what the healthy Stephanie would do. And – and in every situation. So no epilepsy, no any of that. I walk just fine. Uh, the only thing is I have no taste or smell, but that's a small price to pay considering I beat the odds by 96%. So you 
you you think about the thoughts. And one thing, uh, one one uh, example that I like to use is exercise. So we tell ourselves a lot, I don't have time to exercise. I don't have time to exercise. And then suddenly, one day we decide we're going to exercise, and we put on the clothes, but something comes up, and we don't exercise. Well, we thought we weren't going we, – we had all these thoughts about why we didn't have time to exercise. Now the body believes us. So now the body is creating things for us not to exercise. So you have to start all over again. I am healthy. So if there's pain in the left leg but the right leg is feeling good, concentrate on the right leg and say, oh, this is, this is the same experience that I'm going to have in the left leg. You have to tell yourself what you're going to think. And when you get a negative thought, just dismiss it. Don't be mad about it. Don't say, oh, God, I failed because that's what I would say. Oh, God, I messed that all up. Just say, oh, no, I'm not thinking that. You're dismissed. I am healthy. My next appointments are going to be better than the last ones. I'm going to get that job or whatever it is you're trying to get. Just think those thoughts and keep switching them back as often as you have to. Wow. That seems awful simple to do. Stephanie, but then on the flip side, it seems awful hard to do. Seems like that's something that would require uh, uh, practice. So, what would you suggest would be uh, some baby steps for people to take? So, there was a thing that I started out with. There was a passage in the Bible that I liked that talked about uh, praying without ceasing. So, you're praying constantly, right? So, I I was challenged to see if we could do that And I said oh god First thought was I can't do that But the next thought was well How much of that can I do So I made certain Touch points in my life Prayer touch points So for instance I got out of bed that was a prayer touch point I brushed my teeth that was a prayer touch point So every time I went to the bathroom that was a prayer touch point Every time I went to the kitchen Every time I opened the door unlocked the door Get in the car get out the car uh, and then as I was walking where I was, those would be prayer touch points. Now, I wasn't praying all day long unceasingly, but I got a whole lot of prayer in. So I did this. I do the same thing with, with thoughts that I need to change. So if I want to start thinking something else or I want to uh, – so and I, keep, I have a simple mantra or a simple prayer. And then I, I says, okay, so I'll do it when I get up. I make a plan for it because it is – simple, but it's hard to do at the same time. So I make a plan for it. So are there four particular times in a day that I can stop and do this? Now I have an app on my phone that gives me an hourly chime, and that hourly chime reminds me to stop for 30 seconds, be thankful for something, take some deep breaths and relax, and have a positive thought about something. Doesn't take long. So I have a reminder on my phone. I think everybody needs to get that reminder. It's just an hourly chime. And I have to change it, though, about every six months because you'll find yourself used to the chime and then you kind of put it out of your mind. So I change it just to be sure that I don't uh, overlook it. Definitely, you definitely have some uh 
great, great points and some great things that can help change some people's lives. I just hope they're taking advantage of this show and making notes and something they can come back and reflect on. And that's one of the things that really motivate me, too, as far as doing this show, is to be able to reach out and touch and help some other people and enhance their lives some kind of way, and maybe they'll go away remembering something. And they don't have to do it all. Just do one thing. Start with one thing. That's the wonderful thing about how powerful our bodies and minds are already is one change could make the difference. So it could be starting with a gratitude list and keep it up or uh, doing a uh, doing a 90-day sprint every 90 days toward a goal, a goal you want to achieve. But what you can't do is do the same thing you're doing now and expecting a different result. You've got to have to change work. something. <laughs> that never works. That does, does not it? work. That does not work. Right. That does not work. Never works, Stephanie. Before I forget, tell us a little bit about um, uh, your newest book, "Creating a Masterpiece from a Master Mess." <laughs> so, the book is autobiographical. <laughs> My life was a mess, so I was homeless, and I was a teenage mom, homeless, victim of sexual molestation, all the things that that you see, you read about. I experienced them. The joke became, I think I've done everything I wasn't supposed to do with all the people my parents told me not to do them with. And as a result, I ended up, I ended up homeless. So I had to figure that out. I had a, uh, as a teen mom, and my kid was in college at that point, and I decided he was going to stay there. So I had to figure out how to do it. So I, the creating a masterpiece from a master mess talks about the process that I used. At that point, I was uh, learning a lot about um, metaphysical principles and actually how to use the principles that are talked about in the Bible to change your life. So I used uh, forgiveness. So I have a chapter on how to use forgiveness uh, and visualization, how to stay in the moment when you really don't want to be in the moment because you want to be mad about something that happened yesterday. Um, And I talk about pity parties. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I'm the only one. Nobody wants to ever admit about that. It's like, yeah, I, I still, excuse me, but I'm still not finished. I used to say, excuse me, but I'm not finished being mad. So I had to figure it out. <laughs> well, I know a lot of people haven't figured that part out, Pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess he, but I figured out I had to finish. I needed to stop being mad because. Nobody else was suffering like I was suffering, and I was the only one mad. And then what you find out is most people don't even know, they don't even remember why you're mad. True. Yeah, so I had to let that go. Um, So I, I figured out how to do that. And so I talk about all of the techniques that I, that I use. I talk about, um, doing gratitude journals and um, and how to actually find the good in things. And forgiveness, though, was the biggest key for me, is how to forgive and then how to forgive yourself. And then understanding, too, that when something happens to you, you, you 
you may not have control over what happens to you, but you have 100% control over your reaction to it. And it's your reaction to it that actually is, is more important even than what happened to you. So I learned how to have better reactions. I learned to uh, let, go, let things go, to forgive people, because I found that we genuinely judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge others by their actions. So we want other people to be perfect, but then we want people to forgive us because we didn't intend to do that. So I just decided to offer to people the same amount of grace that I was expecting the universal presence of God to offer me. Hey, hey. Yeah, well, sound like you came full circle. Yep. So, and the book is available on all of the outlets, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's even an audio, an Audible book now. If people like to have the um, audio books, they can get it off of Audible. Right, and I was just going to tell you to do that too. Tell everybody where they can go contact you, how they can reach you, where they can purchase all your books. Right. If they want an autograph, if you want an autograph copy, uh, you can go to my website, ChampagneConnection.com, and that's Champagne like the liquor, C H A M P A G N E, Connection.com, and it's named Champagne Connection because I think life is too short for you not to have all the good things that you deserve and desire. If you want an autographed book, you can actually purchase it through the website, and I'll autograph it to you and send it to you. Other than that, they can get it off of Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Smashwords, um, Audible, and they can get e-books too. You can get the uh, Kindle off of Amazon. You can get it on Nook on Barnes & Noble. And if you still can't find it, ask your mama, ask your daddy, ask the milkman across the street, the guy who at the gas station down at the corner, you have them contact me, and then I'll definitely tell you where you could go get it. And if you just join the show late, you have no reason not to hear it in its entirety. It's available in about two seconds worldwide. Um, you need to hear this show because it's definitely some information there that can enhance your life immediately. Definitely. And, Stephanie, I want to thank you so much, so much for joining us today. really enjoyed you. It was fantastic. And um, we're definitely going to stay, stay in touch. Yes, I would love that. We've got to stay in touch. <laughs> thanks for having me. And thanks your listening, oh. listeners for tuning in and watching the show, too, after it's over here. So I know it's available to them. Absolutely. It's going to be available everywhere. And, again, thank you so much. It's been fantastic. And we're going to stay in touch. All righty, yes. then. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, it's been fantastic. We'll be back uh, next week, same time. Um, again, please join in, chime in. So it'll be available everywhere, like I said, momentarily, so you have no reason not to hear it. And share the show. Let everybody know that you heard Ms. Coleman telling everybody how to live their life and do some good things. All right? Take care. See you guys next week.
even though my job, take me home.